From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio with Wispar, the mobile app that keeps you up to date with grassroots football in Cambridgeshire. To find out more, visit wispar.com. Hello, good evening. Welcome to another edition of From the Pavilion. I have myself, Ollie Sachs, in the studio this evening. Uh, Callum Guest not here. He's uh, gone away to Ireland, I believe. So, uh, co- uh, guest co-host Ben Harris is in the studio. He's going to be doing a mighty fine job, I'm sure. We've also got Bluntsham Cricket Club skipper Stuart Cornwall in the studio too to talk about their hunt for successive league titles. Stuart will also be taking on the Who's the Biggest Badger quiz this week. Uh, Dan Heath stormed to the top of the leaderboard last week, so no pressure, Stuart. Ben will be rounding up our EAPL sides who are in action on the weekend. Not many because of the rain affected, but uh, his side, Saff and Walden, were probably the only side, well, one of the only sides who completed a fixture on the weekend. And, of course, we'll be taking a look at England's semi-final of the Cricket World Cup against Australia tomorrow. That gets underway at 10.30am. And, of course, what a match we've seen this afternoon between New Zealand and India too. We'll be talking all of that in just a bit. So welcome along to From the Pavilion and I guess uh, we usually start with the local stuff but there is no other place to start than that World Cup semi-final. Uh, ben Harris and there's Stuart Cornwall with me in the studio. Thanks for coming to the show guys. Uh, what a semi-final that was. Uh, I guess it was like a test match being across two days but uh, Ben, start with you. I mean that was incredible wasn't it? Yeah Ollie, that was a, a stunning game. I think you know with the overnight uh, suspension in play as well added to the drama. Um, but I don't think anyone saw that coming. India 5 for 3, uh, with uh, Matt Henry and Trent Bolt running through the top order, um, and then Dhoni and Jadeja trying to do a rescue mission, but falling 20-odd short, you know, it was a thriller. Yeah, it was an absolute belter, and uh, Stuart reminds me of semi-finals gone by, I guess you talk about New Zealand South Africa last in the last World Cup, and also Blunch and Crick Club against Linton Village last year, <laughs> a similar, similar airfield about it. Yeah, it, uh, our score against Linton was probably half those scores. So. <laughs> yeah, similar, similar emotions involved. I guess. Yeah, what, what a game! But what's going for you as captain then, and in, in terms of that game, and try and if you can make put yourself in Kane Williamson's shoes. Um, what must have been going for his head at the end when uh, Dhoni and, and uh, Jadeja were spanking it to all parts? He must have just been praying for a wicket there. <laughs> I think. I guess uh, keeping calm is one of the most important things. I always think if you can. Make your team think that you've got it all under control. Things generally go a bit better. Yeah, I think uh, Owen Morgan's come out this week and said that he, he practices keeping calm, uh, something that Virat Kohli uh, doesn't do. But yeah, five for three, 24 for four, India 71 for five, then 92 for six. But a brilliant uh, 116 partnership between Jadeja and Dhoni took them to 208 for seven. Uh, and then it looked as though, uh, 208, sorry, for six. And then, of course, that crucial wicket of Jadeja, the seventh wicket to go down. 
um, meant that uh, India were then slightly on the back foot, but Emma Stoney was still at the crease until Martin Guptill ran him out uh, for 50 in the end. Uh, what an arm, Martin Guptill. He's had a quiet tournament, Ben, but produces the goods when it matters. A brilliant moment, that. Yeah, exactly. That's why I suppose they stick with players like that. He's always been a brilliant fielder. I think it was Smith he uh, caught, I think it was a, almost a leg slip earlier in, in the tournament. Mm. Um, you know, he, not only does he contribute a lot with the bat, but, you know, with fielding, I think he's one of the best in the game. Um, and I'm sure he's he's the type of player to come in and produce a match-winning knock in the final. Yeah, and uh, and talking to Smith, Ian Smith on commentary, his ticket must have been going like the clappers. It was incredible to uh, to listen to him. Obviously, New Zealand fan and obviously former New Zealand player, desperate for them to get over the line. Right then, uh, let's turn attention back to local cricket, though, and uh, and talk Bluntsham. Stuart Frank's coming in, and uh, and obviously, as I know and as you know, Bluntsham, they're doing, going pretty well, aren't they, in the uh, in senior three division. Of course, won the junior one division last year, and uh, and trying their best to try and get successive titles. Yeah, not not a bad first after the season, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so top of the league, uh, Silston and Babraham played eight, 132 points in second. Yourselves played nine, 150 points. Do you expect Sawson and Babraham twos to be uh, your main challengers if you are to to go for the title? Yeah, I think so. I can't can't look beyond them to be honest. We know they're they're a good side from what they achieved last year, and they've come out again the same this year. Yeah, and uh, and of course you've got Milton in there as well. Quite a few sides who I think you played in junior one last year. So we, was the aim always to try and get back to back promotion, or was it sort of that was then the aim after the first few weeks of uh, getting wins under your belt? Um, I always fancied us to finish in the top half because I knew I knew there were six teams coming up from the junior league. So uh, I always thought we stood a good chance. Uh, we had a few good players join us over the winter, which always makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, and you, once we seem to get on, once we get on a roll, we seem to be <laughs> difficult to stop. Yeah, and uh, I guess Sawson and Babraham too is because of how they sort of were so um, incredible last year, and of course how their first team have strengthened as well, which I guess means better players filter down, they were probably the favourites for division. Does that help yourselves? Probably less pressure um, than them? Yeah, it could do. Yeah, I'll, I'll, We've got them in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and I fancy our chances against them, despite <laughs> us having... We've got three three of our main players are away. But I still I still think we could we could do a job against them. Yeah, well, Callum Guest, obviously, he no plays Sauce and Abraham. He's managed to nicely avoid uh, today's show when uh, Bluntsham skipper was in uh, in, and also we had Dan Heath on last week who was the first team skipper and unfortunately Sauce and was the only game that Bluntsham lost in the league this season so I guess you'll be trying to get revenge like you said in two weeks yeah absolutely yeah um in terms of the players you brought in, I always find it sort of amazing, um, sort of obviously playing for Bluntsham, but then looking at it from an outsider as well, at such a small village club, but managed to attract a number of players from elsewhere. Why do you think that is? We've got pretty good facilities. Uh, the, the addition of the new nets has made a big difference, but the ground always looks a nice place to play. We've got a good wicket. Generally, the outfield's pretty fast. It's, it's a nice place to play cricket. Yeah, how much does the, the work off the field, how much do you really feel that builds momentum to then go again and, and try and win on the field. Oh, it's massive. If you've got the backing of the people around you to do the right things off the pitch, then the bit on the on the pitch comes easy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Ben, you're also, I guess, speaking as a captain of a club who who went up last year. Um, so then going into the APL and sort of talking about your ambitions, how is it? How is it trying to ride that momentum from the previous year, or, or do you try and not get sort of take it to literally and try and get, I guess, make it override you? Well, I think it's important not to get carried away. Um, I think that's what we've learned this year. Um, you know, we were obviously, I think we lost two games last season 
coming up from tackle one um, and we thought you know we didn't quite understand the, the golfing class and I think you know we're learning as the season goes on um, you know what is required through training uh, also recruitment and stuff like that to be really competitive um, so you know if you guys do go up um, you know be prepared that you know it's another jump up mm. and uh have you sort of uh, assessed the leagues above you, Stuart, in terms of what you think will be a real step step up? Because you've said this year there were about six sides from from the the league below. Do you see in the I guess senior two, senior one, maybe even touching Whiting, where you really think you'll start to see the jump? To be honest, I haven't I haven't looked above the league we're in. <laughs> to be honest, uh, take each game by game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and. Uh, the last in the Whitings division in 2010, I was looking back at the stats, is that a realistic aim for the first team for the club? Yeah, I don't see why not, but it'll be, take us a couple of years to get there, I think. <laughs> it's a long way from junior one, I think. The yeah. standard of cricket in Whitings is obviously a lot better than... Yeah, do, do, you, do you have in your own mind long-term ambitions, or is it just, like you say, focusing on the, the current situation? Personally, I'd like to score some runs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think we're, we're on a crest. Let's, let's see how this season goes. Mm. See if we, we would need to make a couple more additions, I think, to get to get too much further. Mm. We'll see how it goes, really. Yeah, let's talk about um, some of the additions then. Um, um, Rory Fenton obviously come in from Kimbolton last year. Martin Burton, obviously a well-known player up in, in the Washington divisions. So, like we said, attracting um, players from higher divisions. <coughs> Excuse me. How much impact have they made? Obviously, not just, I guess, with their quality and score runs in the team, but then um, giving a bit of experience, I guess, to yourself or other players in the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. They're never shy in giving you an idea. <laughs> uh, and they're both, because they've played at that higher level, they've, they've got more of a, a, a present in this changing room that they, you know, they're winners. They want to get the job done. A bit more professional, perhaps, than what we've been used to. Mm. And uh, in terms of the most recent victory, and let's talk about uh, Sadir, uh, another convincing win over yelling very rarely we've seen this season we've been sort of trawling through the scorecards that many sides have scored well early on many scores are struggling to score 200 plus but they've started to flow runs in in recent weeks across the board uh, but 286 on the board back in first against yelling on the weekend was a terrific effort yeah great effort i mean we've got in zanir and rory at the top we've got two good opening batsmen and once once either of them get in they they do generally score quite quickly yelling's not not the biggest ground i've ever played on <laughs> to be honest um yeah, and things things went our way, and you, we racked up a big score. Yeah, and and as well, um, winning a lot against by bowling sides out as well. So it's not just you know scoring runs; you're taking a lot of wickets as well. Yeah, we've got options across the board. Really, we've got an off spinner, a left arm spinner, two tool guys, one that spins it, one that swings it, and Howard. I think you could put him on any deck and he'd do <laughs> you a job, really. Yeah, so uh, a, a full armoury of of options then, yeah. and like we said, that next match against Sawson of Abraham twos. Is there anything you can learn from the first match? Because um, looking at the scorecard, it was a, a certain Matt Haig who top scored for Sauce and Bobram. Of course, their first team was in action, so he made the the drop down to the twos team. Um, so, so what's your thoughts going into that match? Um, well, we know their first team aren't in action again, so <laughs> I, I predict we'll be playing him again. Uh, he looks a handy bat, anyway. But, um, yeah, I don't. We haven't looked that far ahead, to be honest. I would say, Ben, is there anything really you can do? I guess when you come that sort of situation where you know you're coming up against a, a man or a player who's clearly way above the level of the league. Uh, I personally don't think it's fair. Um, I don't see why someone should be able to do that. Um, I don't think you know, considering you guys strive all season, and then just because they don't have a game, someone can drop in and play. 
Um, but when you know you can't control that, I suppose you've either just got to hope that it's not their day, or try and come <laughs> up with a plan that maybe you learnt from the first game, um, how to get them out. I suppose. Yeah, I think the ruling at the minute is you can drop down a certain level of teams. So, for example, Sultan Bay Ram have got uh, well, have many teams, but their first team can drop down to to two's level. Perhaps a system where you can only drop down a certain amount of leagues would then uh, be better suited. So then, obviously, you're not getting a player who's possibly going to play any APL cricket next season in senior three. Um, in terms of, though, we speak a lot on the show, actually. We had St Ives and, and Warboy Skipper in. Um, Jack Haycock, we talked about the merger at the start of the season. And I always look at Bluntisham and think, a village club, you, you, I guess it must be difficult to, to I guess, attract players and, and get players in each week, but obviously regularly putting out two teams. Has it ever crossed your mind that for some reason in the future, obviously a lot of talk in the minute that cricket isn't, I guess the most popular sport, or, or getting the most numbers from kids, that Bluntsham would have to merge, or, or do you think the club's in a strong enough position to hold its own? At the minute, we're in a pretty strong position. Um, with the demise of Somersham Cricket Club, which is just up the road, we attracted several of their players. That was two or three years ago now. So, although we didn't, it wasn't a merger. We we did mm. pick up several of their players. We've got a good junior system, which seems to keep keep bringing youngsters through, which is always important. Um, and at the minute, we've actually we've got plenty of players for two sides. So mm. at the minute, I'm, I guess the merger being more attractive to other clubs to merge with <laughs> us than versa, vice versa at the minute. Yeah, I guess there's always a tipping point when probably you've got play, enough players to fit a, a third side, but then how do you keep them happy if you have only got only got two sides? Is that something you think that you'll probably have to think about coming in into the uh, into the autumn and the winter periods if you are attracting regular players? How are you? I guess for those five or six regulars who then aren't getting in the second team to sort of keep them happy in playing cricket. Yeah, I mean, we've, we have got a development 11, as you know, at, at <laughs> Bluntisham. Uh, and that's as, that's as good as you can offer them, or midweek cricket. Um, and I know Mark and I have spoken, that's the second team captain, we've spoken about rotation, about perhaps giving somebody a game this week, but then maybe not next week. Or It's, it's going to be a difficult difficult juggling act. Yeah. But it's a... Uh, it's a different kind of selection issue to what we've been used to for the last probably. I say, three good problem to have. Yeah, a good problem to have. Well, uh, well, fingers crossed. Uh, obviously, from an impartial and uh, and very biased point of view, that you do all the best uh, for the season, and uh, and if uh, if a, a certain Mr. Haig does turn up in in a couple of weeks' time, let's hope that he doesn't have too much uh, implication on the result, and uh, you can get a win and continue striving at the top of senior division three. Thank you. Cheers. Welcome back to From the Field here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, we are going to be trying to speak to uh, our EPL captains now and first up on today's show is... Uh, well, actually, well, no, we won't go to Joe Tetley. He's just not picked up the phone. So we'll, uh, we'll start with Ben as he's in the studio. So, uh, so uh, unfortunately, Ben beaten away at uh, Mildenhall on the weekend. Uh, Mildenhall, uh, you got 175 all out in 38 overs and then Mildenhall chased it down uh, in 31 overs, losing six wickets. So obviously disappointing, disappointing loss to you boys at the weekend. Yeah, disappointing loss, Ollie. Uh, rain affected game, which didn't help. Um, but when you're 90 for naught and then go 123 for five, um, kind of puts you on the back foot. Um, and when our innings, I think, was broken up. You know, we've, we still had eight overs to bat after a four or five hour rain rain delay. Um, you know, which takes all the momentum away from you. Um, and then obviously the dreaded Duckworth Lewis comes into play and. 
you know, it was advantage team batting second, um, but we were right in the game and we had them 115 for six. Um, but I think it was I think it was Matt Hall, I think his name is um, someone like that. But he came in and played a really good knock. You know, took the game away from us with some big hits, and that's what it takes in a low score. So yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, and uh, still managed to pick up six wickets as well, though. So I guess possibly you're looking at what 50 probably more for a competitive total and then who knows what could happen yeah of course um as i said you know 90 for naught you'd expect to be getting a score of 240 250 um but unfortunately you know our, our batting's probably let us down this year i think more often than not we've been under 150 for five um you know and you need scores on the board to win games um, but yeah bowling taking wickets was good our spinners again uh jake foley and ryan deem are consistently performing well um, and I think it's a matter of time before both of them get, you know, a Cambridgeshire or Suffolk. Well, Jake plays Suffolk already, but, you know, get a look in, especially Ryan. Mm. Uh, no, it's encouraging. Yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, in terms of the league situation, uh, sitting third bottom, three limited over wins. But of course, we're in timed cricket at the minute, only one. Why do you think, I guess, you've struggled to then pick up the wins in the time matches? I think, you know, we've got a side where only two people have played time cricket before. Um, which doesn't help, you know, inexperience. But also the fact that, as as I alluded to, um, the batting side of it, we just haven't quite grasped the fact that there's plenty of time in a, in a time game, um, and we just need to bat long, build long partnerships, and uh, you know, save ourselves for the last ten, fifteen overs and really push on, um, which we need to do. And that's what we'll look to do again this weekend against Cambridge. Yeah, Cambridge coming up on the weekend. Is it a must-win game, looking at the situation? Because Vauxhall, Mallard's bottom of the division, Cambridge uh, second bottom, and then obviously yourselves, uh, followed by Burn Lexham. Yeah, I don't normally say things like this, but I think you know it's <laughs> imperative to it. It is a must-win game. Um, I think it's time to put a bit of pressure on our lads as well. Um, you know, quite often I like taking the approach of, you know, brushing it aside, but I think this is a really, really big game, especially if we want something out this season. Um, otherwise, I think we'll just drift along. So, yeah, getting a win... At, against Cambridge this weekend we'll kind of leave them and Mallards away and you know we'll be looking again towards the mid-table so yeah it's a big game yeah. and uh, who are the who are the standout players I guess you're looking to avoid I guess in Cambridge obviously Mikey Pepper's back playing for them so he'd be a, a key wicket won't he yeah of course but I think you can't underestimate their side I think just because their league position doesn't quite um, reflect the quality of players they have um, you know people like Johnny Atkinson and Dougie Rice are good, good players and hard to uh, hard wickets to get and I think you know they've got good bowlers as well their overseas has obviously been doing very well um, and Zumaktar is a, a talented young fast bowler as well so you know I think you can't take them lightly I think it's two good teams going head to head and I'm really looking forward to it Well thank you Ben um, all the best for the weekend uh, against Cambridge fingers crossed you can get a win but I'll also be saying fingers crossed Cambridge can get a win as well as uh, an impartial free Cambridgeshire sides um, right up next we'll uh, we'll see if we can get hold of our other EAPL captains but also put uh, Stuart Cornwell's cricketing knowledge to the test and, uh, and have a go at the quiz From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio with Wispar, the mobile app that keeps you up to date with grassroots football in Cambridgeshire. To find out more, visit wispar.com. So I'm going to ask Ben to turn the computer screen uh, off now, as obviously Stuart and Ben are sitting on the opposite side of the desk to me, so they can't now see the answers. All all off? Yeah. All off, right. So Ben is going to keep count of the scores. Uh, this week and uh, as uh, as usual listeners of the show will know but for Stuart 
who uh, even though I'm sure he is a usual listener, um, we'll run through the rules anyway. So, so we'll go for a one-minute round of questions and however many answers you get right from that will be the amount of points um, you're able to double in a top ten table. Um, so this week your top ten table is most wickets for Australia in um, Cricket World Cups because obviously England are taking Australia in the semi-finals. Um, so you've got uh, that will be your top ten. But first we're going to do a one-minute round. So um, get as many as you like. You can say pass on the one-minute round. Um, and yes, yeah, so as many as you can get in in one minute. You ready? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, <coughs> I'll start the clock then. And uh, Ben, if you keep count, that'd be great. I'm much appreciated. Thank you. Callum gets it right every week, so uh, no pressure there. But uh, you ready? Mm. Right. So your first question is: Which legendary bowler had the nickname Whispering Death? Uh, Michael Holden. Correct. Who has scored the most runs in all competitions, all fixtures for Blunton Cricket Club this season? Zanir Shahid. Darren Fordham. In the Cricket World Cup, each, term are permitted, each team are permitted how many unsuccessful reviews? One. Correct. Former England wicketkeeper batsman Phil Mustard made his minor counties umpiring debut in Cambridge's drawn championship match against Norfolk last month. Name a county he played for. Durham. Correct. Who has taken the most wickets at this year's Cricket World Cup? Mitchell Stark. Correct. Across ones, twos and midweek, how many games did Blunsham lose last season? Eight, ten or twelve? Eight. Wrong ten. <sighs> in which country is Eden Gardens, the second largest group ground in the world? Eden Gardens. Uh, India. Correct. Which Warwickshire batsman currently has the highest list date average of all time? Jonathan Trott. Sam Hain. Right. Who scored the most runs in the 2005 Ashes series? Pearson. Correct. An incoming batsman must be ready to face a ball within how many minutes of the other batsman? Three, unfortunately. Oh. So that is your minute up. Ben, how many did you get? Hang on, let me add up. One, oh, God, three, no. <laughs> oh, six, this is back to the recording. Six, six, right. six, right. Okay, so um, now moving on to the top ten. So as I said, it's uh, top wicket, take, w- wicket takers for Australia in Cricket World Cups. Um, you can name any of the ten. Ten doesn't have to be in order. But if you get one wrong, you lose all your points. Um, but you can also... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can declare. Um, so if you get, say, five right, you can then declare and say, I'll, I'll have enough. But uh, but it's it's ready when you are. Take as, as much time as you like. Um, preferably not on the ten minutes because that's when the next ads have to go out. So whenever you're ready with your first answer, just to remind you, it's the top ten wicket takers for Australia in Cricket World Cups. Shane Warne. Shane Warne. He is uh, sixth on the list. Oh. <laughs> Glenn McGrath. He is top with 71. Brett Lee. Brett Lee is third on the list. <sighs> Nervous? Yeah, <laughs> Mitchell Stark. Mitchell Stark. Second on the list. So, four right so far. We're on 24 points, if my maths is correct. What's top of the table? I'm not going to say. Oh. No, top of the table's 30. <clears throat> but equally, if you are in the top four at the end of the season, we'll do a playoff. So you might want to. It's up to you. Top ten. So so far, you've got McGrath, Stark, Lee, and Shane Warm. That wouldn't be a bad bar on attack, would it? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no, not uh, bad. No, no patch on Blunty. Gillespie. Farzer. Yeah, go for it. Stuart. Stuart, Stuart. Stuart. Sure. <laughs> he is. Jason Gillespie is 26th on the list. Really? 
Yeah, played in one World Cup, 2003, eight wickets. Oh. <sighs> that was going so well. So well. Your eyes lit up. Yeah. Juicy half volley. <laughs> uh, Glenn McGrath was top yeah. with 71. Mitchell Stuck second, 48. Brett Lee, 35 and third. And it was Hogg in fourth for 34. Uh, Tate was fifth with 34 as well. Shane Warne, sixth for 32. McDermott, seventh for 27. War uh, with 27 wickets in uh, 7th there. Fleming with 26 in ninth, And uh, Mitchell Johnson uh, was 10th with 25. Uh. Ruined my week. <laughs> ben, any, any bankers? Who would you have gone for? I would have got Sean Tate, but I don't think I would have got any others. Yeah, the only other current player for Australia is, Matt, is Pat Cummins, who is 11th on the list with 18. So obviously uh, still could... Uh, well... You'd have to have a good game tomorrow if he wants to get into the top ten and beat Mitchell Johnson. But uh, unlucky Stuart, a good effort, a good, good effort, effort. That was a good, good effort. effort. But uh, unfortunately, unless uh, unless uh, unless we have a disaster every week into the end of the season, it's unlikely we're returning yeah. <laughs> for, for the playoffs. But uh, for good, good effort anyway. Right after this next music break, uh, we'll be trying to get hold of our EAPL skippers once again, and uh, and of course talking England and uh, proving their match against Australia. It's a big one tomorrow morning. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio with Wispar, the mobile app that keeps you up to date with grassroots football in Cambridgeshire. To find out more, visit wispar.com. Welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. We're live in the studio myself, Ollie Slack, Ben Harris and Stuart Cornwell. We're going to talk to Cambridge Cricket Club uh, player, big player he is, Johnny Atkinson. Uh, now, uh, their match on the weekend was washed out out of 46 overs. Um, Cambridge Cricket Club at that stage had 150 on the board for the loss of three wickets. Johnny, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, even better off that description of being a big player. <laughs> well, I feel bad every week just saying player for Cambridge. So. Player. That's pathetic. Well, I'm what? much more than a player. Vice, vice, vice captain? Yeah, that's something like that. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, regular contributor to Cambridge 105 Radio, Johnny Atkinson is on the line now. That's the one. And Keen yeah. Chef as well. Um, anyway, let's talk cricket. Yeah. Um, Saturday, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, we, we're actually we're actually in a, a really good position um, before the before the heavens opened and um, yeah I think I think it's unfortunate because I think it was definitely a game that we could have gone on to win I think a few things were going in our favour um, Youngie and Peps were in and and were um, had created a good partnership and uh, we're looking in good form and, and we had a few decent players left to come in so I think we were on on our way to getting a decent score. And they were, were without their um, two leading run scorers. So, um, yeah, I think it's slightly unfortunate, but we can certainly take some, some confidence from it. Um, nice to see Mikey have some time in the middle and Youngie as well, both looking good. So hopefully they can continue that for the rest of the year. Evening, Johnny. It's Ben here. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. I'm just on my way to Sawston, actually, to watch them play Haverhill. Yeah, big cup know. final. We've had enough of Sawston <laughs> yeah. on this show. Um, Huge game. Johnny, Mikey Pepper... He's clearly a big player yeah. for you guys. Um, yep. What influence does he have? And he was obviously striking the ball well on Saturday. Um, yeah. You know, what does he add to the side? It, he's a huge influence on the team. We we worked quite hard actually to to keep him at the club over the winter because um, he had all sorts of offers thrown at him, um, and it, 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 he was he was keen to stay. So um, yeah, he not only does he bring experience of um, his sort of first class and playing alongside people like Cook and, and uh, like international players um, for Essex, 
he just gives the whole team a boost when he's available. He gives us that um, sort of boost that we need so we feel like we can get a big score on the board or chase chase scores down. Um, and also he's quite a calming presence on the batsman. He's very, he's very good at um, sort of batting in partnerships with people and talking to people in between overs. And, and um, yeah, I think just in the field as well with little bowling changes, field changes that are all um, sort of that people wouldn't necessarily spot. So yeah, it's a huge boost whenever he plays for us. Yeah, that's completely fair enough. And um, how long do you think he'll be around until you know Essex give him the call again? <laughs> Yeah, the Essex are doing quite well um, at the moment. So unfortunately for him, um, they're doing well, and Wheater seems to be doing well behind the stumps. Um, and the, but the batsmen seem to be scoring runs. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know in the championship whether he'll get a go um, anytime soon. But he he played a fair bit of the shorter format last year, um, the 2020s. So I think that they generally use that as an opportunity to have a go at sort of some of the fringe players. So hopefully for him. Um, he, he gets a go and I think they potentially start within the next couple of weeks so um, but they're not on Saturdays and, and last year and the year before when he has played in those um, he's played for us on a Saturday so hopefully for us um, he gets to play for both um, and we can sort of he can help us turn our season round and, and um, help us push to sort of finish mid-table if not slightly higher Lastly um, is he playing Saturday or not? Yes Oh no for you lot and no I'm not <laughs> going to give you any tips on how to get him out <laughs> uh, yeah for the listeners that is because uh, Cambridge are playing Saffron Warden this weekend so Johnny what are your thoughts heading into that one obviously bear in mind Ben's in the studio <laughs> yeah uh, Harris is the big wicket um, <laughs> too kind uh, no, I, I gen- generally I genuinely always look forward to playing Warden um, uh, it's always a competitive game and I um, always have a drink after the game and, and it's a nice sort of like friendly local rivalry to have um, and I, I love playing at Saffron Warden it's always um, a nice pitch in the outfield and it's always a nice environment around, around that ground as well so yeah looking forward to it I think it's a big game for, for both teams I think um, obviously hopefully for us it, it, it's it's quite a big game because we, we'd like to um, as I say get our season up and going again um, and for them just to, to uh, did you lose at the weekend um Try and get back to winning, winning ways. Did I? Did you lose or not? Yeah, we did lose. No, we did lose. Yeah. She's done your research. Um, Oh, yeah, big time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he knew that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, just rubbing it in. (laughs) Yeah. So, thank you, Johnny. I really appreciate it. And um, as I said to Ben, uh, wish all the best for the weekend. Cheers, mate. See you Saturday, mate. Bye. Johnny Atkinson there, um, as we established, vice, 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 vice captain for Cambridge Cricket Club. That was nice when you said about Saffron Walden. Lovely place to play. Lovely people having a drink after. Do yeah. you agree? Yeah. Yes. No, I completely agree. I think, you know, we played it there as second, third game of the season. I think, you know, although it was hard cricket on the pitch, afterwards, you know, we all sat down, had a beer and had a good chat. So no, I'm looking forward to it. As Johnny said, it's going to be a good competitive game. Uh, no, just... Just hope we can do one over them now. <laughs> Good, yeah. We'll have you both on next week um, to see how it goes, I'm sure. Right after the ad breaks, um, we'll be talking England. They're involved in a, a pretty big game uh, tomorrow evening. So, uh, yeah, stay listening to Cambridge 105 Radio. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio with Wispar, the mobile app that keeps you up to date with grassroots football in Cambridgeshire. To find out more, visit wispar.com. 
Listening to Cambridge 105 Radio here with myself, Ollie Slack, Ben Harris and Stuart Cornwall in the studio. Um, Joe Tetley from Burn Axing has said he's now busy, so unfortunately can't speak to him this evening. Just run through their result. They drew again on the weekend, but it was, uh, if they are getting very close to victory, uh, this is as close it gets. Uh, they batted first and got 253 7 in their 42 overs, and Vauxhall Mallards batted out 39 overs, 104 for 9. Shame they couldn't request the extra half an hour to uh, to get that last wicket. Um, so very disappointing for Bell skipper Joe Tetley, I'm sure, not to get that last wicket, but seem to be edging close to victory. Fingers crossed they can. Uh, this Saturday, they come against Copdock and Old Ipswich, in, so fingers crossed for them. Just a quick word on Cambridgeshire as well. They're in action over the last few days uh, up in Cumberland uh, in the Championship. Cumberland uh, but a first 297 all out, then Cambridgeshire with 229 all out. Uh, Cumberland then declared on 236 for four, and Cambridgeshire managed to bat out the draw 173 for six. Skipper James Williams and Rob Sayer were unbeaten in at the end. Uh, so just uh, we'll go to Ben for a quick word on that. Callum uh, not picking up his phone, clearly busy in Ireland. Um, but I guess a, a positive result for, for Cambridgeshire, obviously disappointed not to get another win. It's two draws on the bounce with them now, but to, to bat out a draw and then do it the way I did, they must be pretty pleased. Yeah, I think so. You know, that's a long way to go and play a game of cricket as well. So um, to get from the position they were in, yeah, to, to take the draw, I think they'll be ultimately quite happy with that, despite it being a losing draw. Um, but a positive um, is the fact that Lee Thomason, I think that was mm. the championship debut for them, yeah. um, scoring 100. You know, he's obviously a massive addition for them. Um, he's obviously unfortunate not to be in the Warwickshire setup anymore. Um, but that is to Cambridge benefit. Yeah, really got rejected by staffs um, who Cambridge had played in the Unicorns Trophy um, a, a week or so ago in Staffordshire, actually fresh Cambridgeshire, but managing to get in the Cambridgeshire and doing very well. Cambridgeshire a bit, having a bit of trouble with the bad time. 64 for 6 against Norfolk, 74 all out against Staffordshire in that Unicorns Trophy game, then 97 for 6 uh, in this match against Cumberland. What do you reckon that is? Do you reckon that is just scoreboard pressure and, bat- and batting? I'll say batting second, it was the first innings against Staffordshire, but it, mm. what, what would you put that down to? I think, was the Staffordshire game a 50 over game? Yeah. yeah. Trophy, I yeah. think, from what I heard, the pitch wasn't very good. Um, so you probably could put that one to the side. Um, the others, obviously, you know, you're coming up against the best bowlers in that mm. area, I suppose. Um, and if someone's on song on that day, they're obviously quite hard to play. Um, there's obviously been a bit of rain around maybe during these championship games I think they've coincided with that so the ball might be nipping around um, but yeah almost like Walden people just need to bat time dig in and mm-hmm. probably value their wicket a little bit more Yeah and uh, fifth in the table currently which obviously where Cambridgeshire want to be with regards to the split next season um, but they probably want to get a couple of wins on the board first next match is against Bedfordshire at Willows home Wisbeach Town um, what do you know of Bedfordshire? Don't know a lot about Bedfordshire, uh, but that's obviously a, an advantage playing at uh, the captain's home <laughs> ground. So he's obviously going to know the ground and the dimensions well. So I think they would be looking to um, yeah get a win there and get them going up the table, I suppose. Yeah, fingers crossed for them. Uh, that gets underway in a couple of weeks, I believe, against Bedfordshire at Wisbeach Town. Um, let's move on to the, the proper debate then of the uh, of the other. England take on Australia tomorrow in a World Cup semi-final. It always had to be. Looking forward to it, Stuart? Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, can't wait. Um, I assume England are going to go with an unchanged 11. Moeen Ali and sort of Liam Plunkett have swapped around a bit over the tournament. Liam Plunkett seems to have settled in the side now. Do you guys make any changes? Well, I, was, I think I was reading earlier that Plunkett has been involved in all four 
well, the four wins that they've had, um, and he has not been involved in a losing side. I think, you know, psychologically that helps. And I think him in the middle over is where he hits that hard length. He's quite hard to get away, um, where Moeen probably isn't quite so consistent, uh, especially with the bat. But also, you know, with the ball, I think he'd be the type of the bowl, type of bowler that the Australians would look to attack. Mm. Um, so I think it's probably a good idea to, to get Plunkett. Yeah, since those back-to-back defeats to Sri Lanka and Australia, Stuart, England have been fabulous. They really have responded well. That The pressure was on and they've certainly risen to it. Wins against India and uh, and New Zealand. Yeah, it's basically knockout cricket, hasn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. those losses. And they've, they've come up trumps every time. Yeah, they've been brilliant. What, what's impressed you in particular? Obviously, Jason Roy coming back in. I imagine that's a massive bonus. Yeah, he's he's a big game player, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, joy to watch. Uh, I guess it's Archer, really. I'm impressed with how well he's hit the ground running in international cricket. Hmm. He obviously showed a lot of potential, but to come in and do that in a World Cup has been good. Yeah, and uh, a lot of talk about batting first, batting second sides at the start of the World Cup. I imagine the first half statistics were in favour of most captains chose to chase. Um, and obviously because that was the trend at the time, but it showed actually, I think, about it was almost split 50-50 in terms of who won batting first, batting second, but it seems to have sort of developed over the tournament that batting first has favoured sides because of the pressure of the World Cup. How important is the toss at Edgebaston tomorrow morning? I think it's pretty pretty important. I think runs on the board is going to be crucial in a game like that. I think going back to batting first, batting second, I think it's very different with World Cup, World Cup match play rather than, you know, in a in a bilateral or a little series, you know, where there's not much pressure, you can go out and bash it around or in a chase chasing 300, you know, it's not a knockout game. Mm. I think it's very, very hard to play like that in a semi-final of a World Cup, you know, when if you're out, you're out and that could cost your team the, the place. I think, I think runs on the board as England against India showed, you know, 330 is hard to chase down. Yeah, there seems to be almost weird sort of uh, after after England, those two losses to Sri Lanka and Australia, obviously clawed it back into England, New Zealand, but both times batted first. It seems to be this weird statement now that England can't chase all of a sudden, but obviously they've done it, done it pretty well, or they did it pretty well, sorry, to get to number one in the world. Yeah, they have, haven't they? I mean, we're just with a middle order of Stokes, <laughs> Butler, Moe, uh, Morgan, mm. you'd fancy them to chase anything, but I have to agree with, with Ben, I think you have to... Yeah, I think you want to set set a big title first tomorrow. Australia's danger players, obviously, it goes without saying. Mitchell Stark, a, a bit of injury news, I think, for Australia as well. Stornis potentially could be back. Shaw Marsh is out, um, injured during the nets. Maybe it's probably when Callum was down there doing net bowling, so I bowled him too fast. Um, <laughs> but who are the, the players that England need to watch out for? Obviously, they know Australia very well, but who are the players that you think will make a, a real stamp on the game for Australia? Well, for me, I think they're top three. I think Warner, Finch, and now Smith's up to three. I think, you know, he's the type of player that's had a quiet tournament. But those, you know, especially Warner and Smith, you know, with what's gone on in the past over the last 18 months, I think they would be really, really eager to go out there and prove a point. Um, Mm. We've just got to hope that Smith stays quiet the whole tournament. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting um, to see what will happen. I think, obviously, Kawaja is injured as well, so um, not entirely sure whether he'll plan. Like you said, Smith will be up to three. How much will the, the first loss in the in the league stage of the competition affect England? Will it have any bearing at all, do you think, Stuart? No, I don't think it will. That's in the past now, isn't it? It's all... This is semi-final of the World Cup. You know, they, don't, they don't come round very often, mm, yeah. especially for England. Yeah, and Ben? <laughs> I'm not convinced. I think, you know... Mitchell Stark, did he 
was am I right in thinking he got a few early wickets in that game? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might it'll be interesting to see how Roy and Bairstow play him ultimately because um, that could decide the the tempo of the game and the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's obviously a pure strike bowler. I think probably someone like Berendorf is probably someone they should be going hard at. Um, he's, I think he's only played 18, 20 one day international matches. You know, he hasn't got the experience of Stark or Cummins. Uh, or probably the skill. So I think if they can get after a bowler, he's probably the one to to go hard at and yeah. put pressure on. Yeah, and we've seen today in the the India New Zealand match that whatever total you do set, you, you're definitely in the game. And especially with England's bowlers as well. You look at Archer, Archer, Wood, Wokes, Stokes coming in as well, Plunkett as well bowling. Obviously you've got Rashid, and uh, I wouldn't call him part time. I don't want to offend him, but obviously Joe Root bowls a bit of spin as well. So there's there's definitely a chance even if England do. For whatever reason, you know, buckle a little bit and set a below plateau. They've definitely got the strength from bowling to come back at Australia. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Mark Wood's probably been one of England's best bowlers through the tournament. I think he's been really hard to get away. The skiddy nature of his action, where he rushes rushes batsmen. Um, I think they've got a really good combination with him, Archer, uh, Plunkett, who we've discussed, and then the leg spin of Adil Rashid. And obviously Chris Wokes has been doing a fantastic job up the top. Mm. Um, I'd, yeah, but it's it's a very well-balanced side. I think it's just who turns up on the day, really. Yeah, and uh, let's talk a bit about the World Cup as a whole then. Do, do you think it's been a success? Obviously, if England win it, we'll say what a brilliant World Cup it's been. But I feel this was an opportunity for, I guess, the ECB and the England team to really inspire a generation when cricket has sort of been put on the back burner in terms of other sports around the country. Do you feel that it's generated enough interest for kids and uh, and, and others watching as to say it's like a, it's a really big moment in the sport and it's really captured the nation? I think it's fantastic that I read that if England gets to the final, it's going to be on free-to-air TV, mm-hmm. which, you know, is obviously great. But I think the whole group stage kind of dragged on a bit. I think maybe they should have had two groups and done it that way. Um... And also, like, the likes of Afghanistan not getting a win and um, a few other teams being pretty one-sided games. I think there's only been a couple of really good cliffhangers. I think the best one was when Williamson hit a six. I can't remember which game that was. South Africa, I think. Yeah. Um, and there was know. the West Indies-New Zealand game as well, but bar that, there hasn't been too many close finishes. Yeah, and it's, it's been really dominated by teams batting first with the dry nature of the wickets, um, which has kind of had an effect on you know the thrill of the game I suppose because if a team gets 300 or, or north of um, if they've got good spinners it's going to be a really hard chase um, as we've seen Yeah Stuart what do you think what's your overall impressions of the World Cup do you think it's been a success do you like the format No I, I tend to agree that it probably should have gone to two groups uh, certainly it felt like it was dragging a bit towards the end of mm. the especially when it's sort of even out you, you knew who was going to be potentially yeah. in the top four a few four. dead rubbers yeah there's a few dead rubbers in there that I guess there wasn't many people watching, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think Afghanistan. I, I'd like to see them get a win. <laughs> yeah. I think because of, of how cricket's moved on, I think Afghanistan probably five or six years ago would have been a, a real handful as an outfit. But because because now when England played them, they got I can't remember what England got quite a lot. Three ninety seven, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Afghanistan did get up to did they get up to two four seven or something two fifty two sixty. I mean, it, five years ago that would have been a competitive total. Wouldn't mm, it? Yeah, and obviously. A lots of people have said they would have liked to see the likes of Ireland, um, you know, lots of Scotland in there as well, and make it a World Cup rather than just some of the best teams. Mm. Even teams in the like world. Zimbabwe, I think. Mm. You know, they're pretty yeah. competitive side. Well, I think even now in T20, there's about 80 different countries, all the way from USA, Germany, etc. But um, that'd be a 
probably a pretty massive World Cup that would drag on for quite a while. Um, a quick word on England women Ashes as well. Australia, 6-0 up. England got it all to do. Um, and it's a pretty important test match down in Taunton. I think, talking of the toss, that is going to be crucial. I think Taunton, <laughs> Taunton's a place where it notoriously spins. Um, I wouldn't want to be batting fourth on that wicket. Mm. Um, yeah, England just haven't been really at the races uh, in the one-day games, which has been disappointing to see. You know, they were 20 for six the other day. Uh, you know, that's never, ever going to... You're never going to win a game of cricket when you're that chasing 280. Mm. Um I think their preparation against the West Indies probably didn't test them enough. I think they were in cruise control, um, where Australia kind of played an England A side, which is probably slightly more competitive, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I think that's where they've gone wrong. Yeah, well, both of you, thank you very much for coming to uh, the studio for today's show. We'll have to leave it there for this week. Yeah, thanks to both of you for coming in. I'm glad uh, you've had a good debut, Ben, and uh, you're welcome back anytime soon, of course, uh, when Callum Callum is away. Thank you, for Stuart, for coming in as well. Just to run through the uh, the honours board quickly for this week. Oh, shock! Uh, Sourcing of Abraham players at the top of the bowling honours board. It's uh, Tim Moses, six for thirty-two. Angus Pate for Witcham, 5-14. And James uh, Tilbury for Woodsford, 5-19. And in terms of the batting, Scott Douglas at the top for Barrington, 150 scored on the weekend. And another Sawston player in there, Waxer Sane. Sawston Bobra, 143. Mike playing against Blunt in a few weeks. And Anil Wadaj as well for Hardwick and Caldicott. Up next is the new music generator with Tim Willett. And we'll be back next Wednesday. See you then. Cambridge 105 Radio.